dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. I don't think any of us have any doubt that leadership can be lonely. It's like they say, it's lonely at the top. St. Paul knew this from the inside, and at times in his writings even mentions how hard it was for him to be alone. And at the same time, St. Paul cultivated friendships and had deep and profound relationships. This becomes a model for us, the lonely befriended leader. I'm so glad to be with everyone and to have this opportunity to address you today with a word that I really hope will encourage you. I pray that the, the God of comfort and consolation come to you because, as you know, your role as people who have chosen to influence our world, people who have chosen to put themselves on the line for the sake of good, be that in, in secular uh, terms or be that in overtly religious terms, it doesn't matter. Anybody who's fighting for the good is fighting for God. Uh, the authentic goodness that's in our culture, that's in our families, that's present in our world, to cultivate that it means you're going to be fighting against a tide of people and of practices that choose to take things easy take the easy way out, even if it means that, it, that things aren't what they could be or what they should be. And you're not amongst those. You're here today because you have chosen to fight for what is good in our world in one form or the other. Good by your professions, by making the best whatchamacallits, right, of all time. Congratulations to all whatchamacallit makers out there. You know, God bless you. Keep making those whatchamacallits, but make them, make them right and sell them for a good price and help your employees who make the whatchamacallits in the best way you can. And then there's also people have chosen to do good in overt ways. You know, you're, I got founders of nonprofits, you know, leaders of, of initiatives that overtly try to, to serve the spirit of our people and then, of course, there's those who form ministries and work for God in an explicit fashion. And all of that requires the same thing. I need to take what is inside of me, right, and make it effectively radiate outside of me. The journey from what is inside and what I hold inside to take root and make an impact on what is outside, that's the journey of leadership. And as I learn how to do that, and as I do it more and more effectively, I can make a deeper and deeper impact in my world. And so I salute you and I thank you. And, and I want, really hope that today's message will encourage you. Let's, let's go ahead and begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful. 
and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I want to continue on with our reading of St. Paul in the Acts of the Apostles. And one of the things that really strikes you about St. Paul is this way that he, his, his call by Christ singled him out for a level of service that was, you know, exceptional. And for many of us, you know, we kind of would pat ourselves on the back. You, could you imagine being the mom of St. Paul, right? How proud she must have been. My son is St. Paul. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, you know, we go, my son, you know, can, he raised poodles and his poodles are just, they, they won the blue ribbon at the fair, you know, and this other mom's over there saying, my son can play Moonlight Sonata on the piano, you know. And then this, what does your son do? And he's St. Paul the Apostle, right? Like, it kind of like silences all conversation, right? Because St. Paul being an apostle, this guy was incredible. I mean, all the miles that he walked, all that he must have known on a practical level, right? He comes from a tent maker family. So he's, uh, he's in an entrepreneurial self-owned business, right? Now we don't know if he himself was a tent maker, but we know that he made tents, that he didn't mind working with his hands. So he had manual labor, entrepreneurial business in the background, he had religion to uh, an extreme degree. He was a student of Gamaliel in Jerusalem. So it's a five-day walk from Tarsus, where he was born, down to Jerusalem. And so he went from the outskirts into the center of Jerusalem, where he studied under the most for, you know, renowned scholar of his day. And he must have been a fabulous student because when they are stoning Stephen— the people who are doing the stoning, therefore the leaders, right, and the, the most zealous and the, the most devout of them all were laying their cloaks at his feet. So they knew him. They trusted him. They could give him their garments and he would watch over them. He was a rising star. And then he did his persecution of the church so exceptionally well, right, that he, he, he goes forth and and persecutes house after house, ravages Jerusalem, imprisons people. That means he knows the law. He knows the process. He knows how to effectively arrest people. He knows how to hunt them down. He's in a command of an entire team, even though it says in Acts chapter 7 that at that time he was a young man. So he would have known horses, and he would have known systems. He would have known politics. He had letters from the chief priests to go to Damascus to arrest the Christians. So he knew the highest levels of the authority in his country, and he was empowered by them and entrusted them with missions that he was effectively carrying out. So this was, this was no slouch, St. Paul. This was a guy who really was exceptional. And when our Lord singled him out for ministry, of course, and you remember how that happened with the Antioch community sending Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey because the Holy Spirit told them to, I mean, he had to go from town to village without knowing anybody, going into places with, with no friends 
and no connections and preaching the gospel in the synagogues, taking up public words, speaking in a persuasive way, making friends along the way, following up with his contacts. I mean, what an incredibly unique mission. And then he had a walk. He had boats. He had, you know, sleeping in night, sleeping in people's houses, being with the wealthy, being with the poor, having demons, you know, and possessed people attacking him left and right. The variety of his knowledge, it must have made him an incredibly interesting dinner companion. You know, can you imagine having St. Paul over for dinner, the stories that he could have told? I mean, he's been three riots, four riots, driving them out of towns. He's beaten, he's in prison, he's, he's an incredible man. And a lot of you sitting here today are also incredible. You have medical degrees and you have... Uh, first responder qualifications and you are volunteers and your coaches and your dad and your mom all at the same time. Why do you think God has given you that? What can you do then with that specialness that he's given you? I think it sets us up for two things, incredible loneliness and very deep friendships. And I think God wants to be glorified in both. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. So looking here at St. Paul in Acts, I think the, one of the first things that really strikes us is just how singular his mission was, how special the call that Christ laid up for him, and yet at the same time, how lonely. If you take a look, for example, at, uh, I mean, lonely, like, you know, in a qualified sense of the term, right? He's never alone. He has people there, you know, so I don't want to over-dramatize his case, but I want to point out something that I think makes him very similar to you. You know, all of you listening are, are, who are uh, small business owners, Right? Talk about loneliness. All the risk is yours, right? Then you have to convince your investors. You have to convince your board. You have to convince your customers. You have to convince your spouse, right? That this is a good idea, right? And they're not always convinced. And then you're just like, well, I mean, what am I going to do? This is what I want to do. And everyone's like, well, then you need to make it work. And then you do. But there's a deep loneliness inside because you're like, doesn't anyone else want this too? Doesn't anyone else care? Does anyone else want to carry this with me? And the answer is, no, they, they don't. <laughs> I mean, they, the sooner that you accept that, the, you know, no, they do care, but they just don't, it's not them. It's not their life, right? <sighs> and so you end up feeling lonely. St. Paul felt the same way. Look at his conversion in Acts chapter 9. What happens to Paul? He's converted all by himself. He's the only Christian. There's no other apostles converted with him. The others, they had a band of 12. Paul doesn't have a band of 12. Paul's all by himself. And when he is converted, the very first Christians who come to baptize him, you know, he's called there by Christ. That must have been neat. You know, Jesus told me to come and find you, says, you know, Ananias, as he lay hands and baptizes St. Paul. That must have been neat. But at the same time, he's all by himself. And even Ananias was like, I don't really want to do this, you know, Paul. And so Paul accepts that he's by himself and then he gets baptized. And so you can imagine he's welcomed in the Christian community there because he starts making converts right away. But then they try to kill him and he has to escape all by himself. No one with him, no one walking with him. He escapes lowered over a, by a basket in the middle of the night out of the wall of the city of Damascus. 
landing in a desert and taking a journey, a three days walk by himself with his life in jeopardy. Now remember, Paul is a young man at this point. He's not middle-aged. He's young. Don't you think he was scared? They tried to kill him. So now the people that he was serving are trying to kill him. The people that he ends up serving and wanting to be a member of, that Christian body, well, they reject him. Acts chapter 10, he gets to Jerusalem and all of them are afraid of Paul. They turn their back on Paul. They won't take Paul in. Why? And it's understandable because this is the man who killed them, right? And so what happens? You know, Barnabas takes Paul in, brings him to the apostles finally, and the apostles only then endorse Paul. He goes out preaching the gospel until he gets his life threatened again. And now, the, even the community that accepted him sends him away. The brothers, realizing that his life was in danger again for preaching the gospel, so this is the second time in a matter of months that Paul's life is in imminent danger. They send him down, they send him where? Back home. And he has to spend at least, you know, I don't know how long, a year by himself back home. He was a Jew, he lost that for the sake of Christ. Then he was a Christian, he lost that too. Because now he's not, he's still a Christian, but he's all by himself. And it's not until Barnabas comes and finds him again that he makes him an apostle with Barnabas suddenly teaching all of the Christian converts that are happening from the Gentiles in Antioch. We're now at Acts chapter 12. And so Paul's there and he's teaching them. But he's separated from the other apostles. And he ends up being sent off on his first missionary journey, just him and Barnabas. And they go where? Where no one has gone before. And Paul emerges at that point in Acts as the leader of the pair and pushes the, the, the gospel forward. But when he comes back to Jerusalem in Acts 15, he finds out that the other apostles didn't follow in his footsteps and that the Christians in Jerusalem who were from the Jewish converts did not even understand what he was doing. And he had to fight the fight there himself without the support of the other apostles to convince them all that what he was doing had value. Look again at how lonely he could feel. After he does that, the very next thing happens in Acts 15, Barnabas splits with him. His very closest friend and advisor leaves him and along with John Mark and he's, he's got Silas. So that's great. And so he takes Silas, picks up Timothy. Luke is probably with him along the way. But you see how like as, as time goes on, Paul has to continually be confronted with the fact that he was given a mission by God that no one else seems to understand. Even Silas, his great companion, that's great, but Silas doesn't say anything in all of Acts. <laughs> so, like, he, Paul is clearly the leader. And when you lead, you become alone. Like, you might not want to be alone, but you are. Because you are the one whom everybody looks to to make it happen. You know, I, I just was watching a, a video of, of uh, a football player from the University of Georgia uh, the lead running back from the University of Georgia. And what's this guy doing? He's getting up after midnight in order to work out. So he works out after midnight for two hours every day during the summer, during the off season, during training, you know, just to make himself better. And so what happens? Where three or four other players are now joining him. So now he's got the other running backs on his team and they're meeting up during the off season after midnight to work out, you know? Why? I mean, like, whose idea was that? Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? I don't know, but it's his. And so since it's his, he then has to own it. He has to be responsible for it, and he's alone. And other people can follow, but they're the followers. 
And there's an advantage to being a follower, just like there's an advantage to being a leader, but there's a downside too. And one of the downsides of being an innovator, a founder, a pusher, someone who's got the, the reins and knows which ways to go is that as you're doing the struggle, you're the man there. You're the point. And you take the lightning strikes as well, all by yourself. That's a hard spot to be in. And that's where St. Paul found himself as he pushes 500 miles of walking across Turkey, ends up going into Philippi, being imprisoned, over to Thessalonica, a mob attacks him, goes to Berea, the mob follows him there. He goes to Athens where he's laughed at and rejected. <laughs> you know, and, then, and we're only in Acts 17. You know, you keep on going in the life of St. Paul and you see that the Lord was with him. As he said, they all abandoned me, but the Lord stood by me. His cross of leadership was a cross that our Lord knew before Paul. Because when the Lord was on the earth as King of kings and Lord of lords, he was there alone. He actually said, it's this prophecy in Isaiah, I was treading the winepress and I tread it all alone. I looked for help and I could not find anyone. There was no one, not one. And that, of course, describes our Lord as he carries the cross by himself. Now, Our Lady was there. Mary Magdalene was there. But the point is that as a leader, he had to accept that the weight of the Father's will and drinking that cup that was given to him in the agony in the garden was something he had to do. And when he called you into leadership, my friends, he called you into that same share in that, that difficulty called carrying the cross of the loneliness of leadership. It's just something you've got to do. And as hard as that is, it's also a blessing because it opens you into an intimacy with Christ that very few things can do to the same degree. Your love for Jesus will know an intimacy so great thanks to the fact that your heart has been crushed under the weight of feeling that you are all alone. Turn to Christ. You cannot stop leading just because it's hard. He understands and he's there to comfort you. He is the one who is more alone than you so that he could carry you in your loneliness. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. There are great things for Christ. So we can say a lot about, you know, St. Paul being alone. And in the Acts of the Apostles, you see this, right? It goes all the way to the time he's in prison. He's imprisoned alone, you know. And so he's always got support. He's always got, you know, help and, and people around him. But at the same time, Paul had this singular mission and it was consuming him to pour himself out like a libation in front of Christ. At the same time, though, and this is what's so amazing about this. That leadership that he embodied, right, and that loneliness that he embraced opened him up to a very deep friendship. Friendships throughout his life that he recognizes. Think of the letter to the Ephesians, right, where he, you know, he, he talks about the great love that he has for them. The letter to the Philippians. Or, or then if you look at his pastoral letters, Timothy, Titus, calling them my sons, right, and giving them advice about how to govern and move. And you can see the, the, the vulnerability of Paul's heart. His, the fact that he has to 
to carry his cross in a, a certain type of loneliness actually makes him more vulnerable. He uses it, in other words, in order to welcome people into his life that otherwise he might not have welcomed. The fact that the Lord asks us to lead even when that means alone and difficult with difficulty, um, that's never called for isolation. There's a difference between you carrying the cross of loneliness and you being isolated. The loneliness that Christ gives as, as a share of his own to his leaders is a loneliness that should open you to being ready to receive everyone's gift, everyone's presence, everyone's uniqueness in a unique way. Uh, a special way, the way that only someone can really appreciate who is looking for it. You know, when you're satisfied and you've got safety and security and there's no risk, you know, if you're not, if you don't, if you just stop leading, there would be no risk. <laughs> if you stop leading, there would be no pain. If you stop trying, you would find yourself just doing great. You know, it would like all of a sudden, but, but what wouldn't you have? Would you be satisfied? And our Lord comes to us in the Beatitudes saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who are poor. Blessed are those who mourn, right? And what does he mean by that? Of course, he doesn't mean that it's blessed to have those things. But he's saying that in that, when love is pushing you and love is present there, there is a blessing. There is a wisdom, a knowledge that this world cannot give by satisfaction. You weren't made to be satisfied, in other words. You were made to love, to serve, to strive. And your leadership becomes an incredible place where that takes place. It becomes a gift. Yeah, it's, it's no fun being exposed, right? It, it's no fun being leveraged. It's no fun having risk in your life. It's, it, it's not fun to, to, to have to carry the weight of responsibilities of everyone's jobs and everyone's livelihoods. But I'll tell you what, if, if you really embrace that as you should with all of that weight, that couldn't push you to isolation if you let it. It can also push you into communion. We see this with St. Paul. He, he's vulnerable. Where? Acts chapter 10. No one will accept him. So what happens? Barnabas shows up. God bless Barnabas. Barnabas is just one of those characters in the New Testament that you just instinctively like. He just seems like a likable guy. His name even means son of encouragement. You know, it's Barnabas. That's great, you know. Like, I, I walks around doing good things and encouraging St. Paul. Thanks to the fact that Paul was vulnerable with the fact that he was being rejected, he was open to a communion with Barnabas. And that's a communion that's very deep. The two of them spent an entire year side by side preaching the gospels to the converts in Antioch, the Gentile converts in Antioch. An entire year side by side. They must have been best friends. Then they did their first missionary journey. You know where they go? Cyprus. Do you know who's from Cyprus? Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas go back to Barnabas's old haunts. You can almost imagine Paul being like, where do we go? And Barnabas saying, well, I got some friends in Cyprus. So Paul's like, let's go there. And so they, they sail to Cyprus. They walk across the entire island of Cyprus preaching the gospel. And then they go on from there into Turkey. And there they have, you know, uh, Lystra and Iconium and Derby, And Paul gets stoned at the end of it. And Barnabas takes care of him, takes him back. 
Barnabas gets stoned. Paul doesn't. And, and yet they care, he, the two of them, Barnabas takes care of Paul, brings him all the way back to Antioch, back to his home, to his home base. And there Barnabas is with him as he defends everything. And that intimacy must have been amazing. When Paul traveled, he talked about how everyone abandoned me except Luke. Luke is with me. Right? So, and then he talks about Timothy, his beloved son. He, there was uh, such an intimacy that when he left Ephesus, they threw themselves around his neck, kissing him and begging him not to go to Jerusalem. They didn't want to. They said, we'll never see you again. And they're weeping. He, he, he wasn't like leadership, in other words, is not this hardcore thing that should isolate you. You have to accept deep in your heart that you respond to Jesus Christ and him alone. And that's why you lead everyone around you and why you push forward the way that you do and why people might not be able to understand the fire that's burning inside of you. That's because it's your intimacy with him and it's fueled in your prayer. You know, I'm thinking of Mother Teresa of Calcutta, right? And and, and, and how much she, she said, I wake up every morning at 4.30 in the morning and I, we pray for an hour and a half. First, I let Jesus use me, she said. And then I let everyone else use me. So it was more than an hour and a half. She would pray three hours straight in the morning, every morning. And when she, uh, there's a story where she touched down in, in uh, Kent, North Canton, Ohio for, to speak at Walsh University. They picked her up from the airport and they had like a little reception ready for her in a room so she could rest and all that kind of stuff. And Mother Teresa said, take me to the nearest tabernacle. And so they had to drive her to a church where there was a tabernacle. She said, I want to pray here. And she just prayed for that whole hour. The intimacy she had with Christ, that loneliness that she could share with him, right? You're never alone. He's with you in your loneliness opened her into a communion where then she could be the mother of the whole world, just as Paul could have deep friendships. We need to cultivate this. We who are alone in our leadership need to be together with God's people. His commandment was not do things for me. His commandment was love one another as I have loved you. And if I have that straight, then I can fuel my, my love for Christ, a dedication of myself to my fellow Christians, to the people that God has put in my life, my children, my spouse, my friends. Loneliness and friendship go hand in hand. Isolation for community. Leadership for service. This is what St. Paul shows us. And what Jesus Christ gives us as a special gift to enable us to set his fire, the fire of love, onto this earth. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.